Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Tristan. I'm so happy to welcome you guys to the Novus Podcast. This is a podcast that's going to change your life. I need you guys to watch all the way to the end. But first, hit that subscribe button, share this with a friend, like, and comment. Let's get into this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of the Novus Church Podcast, guys. This is amazing. Um, so we had Pastor Brian on uh, quite a few episodes back, and y'all, that was an amazing time. But we actually... Um, have the opportunity to have a mentor, Pastor Brian, a man that has equipped him to step into ministry and has had kind of uh, been a part of his journey for a really long time. And Pastor Brian has so much honor for this man. It is incredible. Like it overflowed into our conversation when he was uh, talking about him and all this stuff to the point where I'm like, this man, I, I'm so excited to have him on. Um, he's a prophet, an author, a speaker, a pastor. And I want to just have him uh, share a few things with you guys. And I'm going to introduce uh, Prophet Kevin Powell to you guys today. Welcome. Bless you. God bless you. It is a pleasure to be here with you on today. Mm. Thank you. Everyone's here. Everyone's on. Yeah. Are we ready to flow here? <laughs> huh? Yes. Well, okay. Well, listen, this is what I, ordinarily, when I go preach somewhere, uh, I, I usually talk about my books first, because the reason I usually talk about them first, it's kind of like a person that plays basketball or box or football or whatever. Uh, they stretch before they get started. And usually when I talk about the books, it's kind of like a stretching for me in the spirit realm. It kind of kind of loosens me up for what I'm going to share. Now, I want you, you that are watching, I want you to get um, Deuteronomy, the 29th chapter and the 29th verse. Deuteronomy 29 and 29. And this is what it says here. I want to use this little, a little topic here. The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. The secret thing belongs unto the Lord, our God. I want to share with you something that I've been sharing everywhere I go. I Sometimes I go and rent venues and have meetings. And uh, I've been calling these particular meetings the secret to the raw power of God. Now, I got saved in 1979. I used to be a wine drinker, cigarette smoker, marijuana smoker, for just a sin. We'll have all day. We'll be all day telling you all the things I used to do. And um, they came to my house, actually, the 700 Club, came to my house, did an interview of me, put it on television, did a reenactment of how I got saved. And when I got saved, there were certain ministers that I... Uh, associated with initially, like uh, Greg Laurie, uh, Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley, Raul Reese. Uh, they were great salvation preachers. And they blessed me at the beginning of my uh, salvation. But then I got introduced to people like R.W. Shambai. Maybe some of you young people, you may not know about R.W. Shambai. R.W. Shambai used to say, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. R.W. Shambach, you know, those guys raised the dead, blind eyes opened up, deaf ears unstopped. They leave out of their tent revivals with great 
uh, with uh, um, uh, trailers full of wheelchairs and crutches and canes. And it really blessed me because prior to that, I didn't realize that Jesus was still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so once I got introduced to that ministry, I got a hunger for, I, I call it Christ-likeness. And I've been craving that life, that, that power, because I found something out about the devil. He doesn't run from good speakers. He doesn't run from silver-tongued orators. He doesn't run from large bank accounts. He don't care what denomination you are. He don't care what your, what your color is. It is the manifested presence of God that the devil runs from. And once you've seen ministries that resemble Jesus, it's hard to just settle for just good speakers. You know what I'm saying? I always say you can get a good speaker a dime a dozen, but it really costs to really walk in power. You know, I have a book out, it's called The Price of a Great Anointing. And I always say you don't get mint coats with trench coat money. Now you can get something look like a mint coat, but you're not going to get the real thing. You don't get diamond rings with cubic zirconia money. Anything that is of value, it is going to cost you something. And one of the reasons why we see more good speakers than we do people that really walk in power like Jesus did, because most folks are not willing to pay the price of self-denial or surrendering or yielding, uh, surrendering the old, giving up the old man for the replacement of the new man. But the Bible says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation, old things have passed away, but behold, all things have become new. Now, if any of you that are interested in really walking in some real power, because the times that we're living in, we're going to really need to manifest the real raw power of God. There was a time when there were, as I call them, power demonstrators, just rolling and driving and flying all up and down this nation. I have a book out, it's called The, the Legendary Anointing. And I got the title, now this little picture on the front is my son Kevin, he went on to be with the Lord on uh, uh, August 15, 2019. He was 33 years old at that time. So I had dedicated this book to him, 300 pages. And in this book, I talk about some legends of the Bible. Now how I got this title for this year, years ago, about 30-some years ago, there used to be a, a movie out called Sandlock. And these little boys were playing baseball in his backyard, were in the Sandlock. And they kept hitting their baseballs in this man's backyard. And they were afraid to go retrieve the balls because he had a big St. Bernard dog over there. And they actually called the dog the Beast. So one day, the game was really getting really good. And they someone hit the ball, crack, and it went over to the man's backyard. And they don't want the game to end. So there's a young man by the name of Scotty. Now, his father had an autographed baseball of Babe Ruth sitting on the fireplace in his house. So he went and got that. They started playing with that. And wouldn't you know, crack, someone hit that over in the man's backyard. Now, he's got a choice. He's going to have to face the beast, the St. Bernard dog, in this backyard, he's going to have to face his father. 
So in his room one night, he's contemplating how he's going to get enough courage together to, to jump over this fence and retrieve this ball. But while doing this, he is suddenly, his bedroom door opened up and there was a ray of light. And a man walked in with a, a baseball uniform on, a cigar in his mouth. It was actually supposed to be Babe Ruth. And when the little boy saw him, he said, it's you. I can't believe it. You're my hero. And Babe Ruth said, you don't want to be a hero. He said, heroes are remembered. He said, but legends, they never die. And when I heard that, I said, you know what, God? I want me a legendary anointing. So I ended up writing this book here uh, with legend. I, I, you know, they say, Tristan, that you attract you. You attract your type, your DNA. But in this book, I talk about William Seymour, the greatest Zuzu Street revival, uh, a one-eyed son of slaves, a black man, uh, the greatest revival that hit this nation uh, uh, 1906. Amputated legs grew back in the ministry, or at least arms grew back. The glory of God was in there so intense that the people were coming with jars trying to capture the cloud. But every time they would leave out, the cloud would be gone out of the jars. The ushers were walking around with dustpans and brooms because the glory was so thick in there that people that had skin diseases it would just fall right off of them. They were just sweeping this stuff up. Matter of fact, the firemen came to Azusa on several occasions because over the top of the building was the pillar of fire like it was in Moses' day. And they, they came down there to put this fire out again and again. But when they came there, they just saw that there was this pillar of fire over the top. In the service, a man who had lost his arm on his job Right while they were looking, just like a science fiction movie, arm, uh, ligaments, tendons, veins, muscles, arteries, joints, uh, skin, sinew, fingernails grew right in the service while they were watching. You know, the late Smith Wigglesworth, who raised 23 people from the dead, 14 to 17 of them documented and recorded uh, in a, on a train one time going to Cardiff Wells and didn't say a word to anyone on the train and a wave of the power, the conviction of God swept the whole train and the people began to cry and get on their knees and say, who are you? And you're convicting us of our sins without even saying a word. And he had to let them know that it was the presence of God on his life. Or the late Catherine Kuhlman, a man came into the service who had a pacemaker put in his heart, put in his chest. And while in the service, he felt this intense pain hit his chest and he thought he was having a heart attack. And the person that invited him said, I believe that God is healing you. He said, well, I hope he is. Well, nothing happened. Captain Kuhlman didn't call his name out or anything like that. But when he went home that night, he took a shower. And you know, sometimes when you take a shower, uh, it gets steamy or foggy in there. Well, the mirror got fogged. And when he cleaned the, the mirror off, he noticed that right here, where the incision was made for the pacemaker, it had disappeared. So he thought his eyes was playing, playing tricks on him. And then, so, you know, on the, after further investigation, 
He checks it out. No, it really did disappear. Then when he went to his doctor, the one who put the pacemaker there, the doctor actually got angry with him because he thought he went somewhere else and had some special cosmetic surgery. But then when they did an x-ray, they found out that the pacemaker had disappeared too. And when you hear stuff like that, you can't just step, not me anyway, I can't just settle for nominal, mediocre Christianity. I believe with all my heart, the reason that God has me on here to be a part of this year today, because you are a fresh audience to me. You're a new audience to me. And many of you, you're young people. And God wants to ignite something. He wants to ignite something in you to press into him. Because there's a whole new dimension of glory that he is going to release to a remnant of people that refuse to settle for the status quo. On the back of this book here, it says here about the author. This is what it says about me. It says, Prophet Kevin Powell is an anointed vessel of honor that God has raised up in this hour to impart strength and faith to the body of Christ. God has given him the supernatural ability that causes pastors and their members to be dissatisfied with their present level of consecration. There's a price for everything. And if you're willing to pay the price, there's no telling how God will use you. Well, the scripture says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the good things that God has prepared for them that love him. You want to know what it is to walk in the real raw power of God? I know I'm not going to be able to get all this in on this one session. I might have to come back and do a, another part another time. But the, the first main ingredient to walk in the real raw power of God, you have to be very hungry for God. Not for what he can do for you. Not for how he can bless you. He's a blessing God. But to walk in real raw power, you have to be hungry for God. Hunger just means a strong craving or desire. We all have an appetite, but it, it depends upon what you have an appetite for. Colossians says, if you've been risen with Christ Jesus, set your affections on things above, your appetite, your passion on things above. Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2 says, Oh God, thou art my God. David said, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee, and my flesh is longing for thee, and a dry and a thirsty land to see your power and your glory. As the hunger will make you get up real early in the morning after you only had a couple of hours sleep to hang out with God. Hunger will make you live a clean, holy life. I see people that are in the church that are fighting and struggling with stuff in their flesh, and you get a real appetite for God, the struggle won't be so intense because your affections are on things above. The Bible said, they that are of the flesh, they're mindful of the things of the flesh. And they that are of the spirit, they're mindful of the things of the spirit. And David had cultivated such a hunger because the scripture says in the New Testament that the flesh and the spirit, they're contrary one to the other, meaning the flesh doesn't have an appetite for spiritual things. He said, but, but David said, my hunger is so intense that my flesh is longing for thee. 
I'm thirsting for thee. I'm, I'm longing for thee. And a dry and thirsty land. Why? Because I want to see your power and your glory. You ever see the commercials, wounded warriors, and see the men get up there who have fought for this nation, nose all burnt off, ears burnt off, one arm, one leg. And when I hallelujah, and when I think about Smith Wigglesworth and ladies growing back in the ministry, I think about that's our God. And Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, if you call on me, I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. And Jeremiah 32 and 27 says, I'm the God of all flesh. And there's absolutely positively nothing too hard for me. There's nothing that God can't do. There's nothing that we can pray and ask God to do that's too difficult for him. But do you have the key ingredient of hunger to press into God? Psalm 42 and 1 says, as the heart, which is a deer, panted after the water brook, he says, so my soul, my heart pants after thee. And they say that the heart goes to the brook for two reasons. The first reason that the heart goes to the brook because he wants to quench his thirst. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. As Mr. Wigglesworth said, hungering and thirsting after righteousness as when nothing else in this world satisfies you more than being near to God. He goes to the brook because he wants to quench his thirst. That's the first reason that the deer goes there. But the second reason that he goes there, because he wants to submerge himself in the brook, which is a type of the spirit. Because when he submerges himself in the brook, the lions, the tigers, the mountain lions, the bears, those things that could prey upon him, they can't discern or detect him if they can't smell him or sense him, see? Um, we have to walk in the spirit. This is why many Christians have spiritual teeth marks all over them because they have not been submerged in the brook. You have to have a hunger. One scripture says, I think it's in Psalm 127 and 4. It says, our soul did escape as a bird out of the snare of the fowler is that the snare has been broken and we are escaped. That word escape in the Hebrew, it means slippery. In other words, I'm so anointed. I'm so oily. I'm so greasy that I slip out of the devil's hand. Sickness, disease, infirmity can't hang on my body because I'm saturated and soaked and drenched from being in the presence of God. I like action movies when I do see movies. And uh, I like uh, Jason Statham had the movie out, The Transporter. And well, one particular movie with him in it, the gang of men were chasing him. And he ran into this warehouse and they had knives, clubs, hammers, sticks, and they had him surrounded. And he kept backing up because he didn't know where to go. When he backed up, he felt that he bumped into something. And what he bumped into was a big drum of oil. He got a brilliant idea. He turned the drum over and rolled around in it, got real slippery and greasy. When they came to grab his arm, they slipped off his arm. They came to grab his neck, they slipped off his neck. They went to grab his leg, they slipped off his leg. We have to get lubricated. And the way you get lubricated is by hanging out with God in his presence. 
Because when you hang out with him, all that he has and all that he is rubs off on you. It reminds me some years ago, Tristan, I was in a, a place called Marsville, Pennsylvania. And it was really cold outside. Snow was on the ground. And I was on my way back to New Jersey. Now, this part of Pennsylvania uh, from New Jersey, where I lived at, was like seven, eight minutes away, if that. If the lights don't catch you. Now, I saw a pastor friend of mine standing on the bus stop. So it was cold outside, and I offered him a ride. So I said, uh, uh, Brother Connor, I said, I'm going in the trip. You need a ride? When he saw it was me, he said, yes. I said, yeah, Brother Kevin, sure. And there was also another couple out there. Now, I didn't know this couple, but it was so cold out there. I just offered them a ride. I said, listen, if, you, if you're going this way, you can get a ride also. So they had a cigarette in their mouth. So I said, but you have to put your cigarette out before you get in my car. And they said, okay, okay. They took one more quick drag off of it, threw the cigarette away. They got in my car. They couldn't have been in my car no longer than 12 minutes total. Five hours later, it's time for me to go to prayer. My wife comes out the house. She gets in the car. As soon as she gets in the car, Tristan, the first thing she said, somebody been in here smoking? I said, no, sweetheart. I picked Pastor Conover up on the bus stop, and there was a couple on there uh, on the bus stop that I gave a ride who was smoking, but they put their cigarette out before they got in the car. And then it dawned on them. I said, wow. Because they smoked habitually, when they got in the car, even though they put the cigarette out, that the smell of the cigarette had gotten into their clothes and their skin and their hands. And they got out of my car five hours ago, but they left that scent in my car. And so you and I, we can hang out with God to such a degree that even when we come out of prayer, we really don't come out of prayer. When we come out of his presence, we don't even come out of his presence. And we carry that presence with us. It'll linger with us. It has the old song that used to go like this here. In his presence... In his presence, there is peace. In his presence, there is joy. I will linger. I will stay in his presence day by day till his likeness may be seen in me. When you hang out with God, all that he has and all that he is rubs off on you. And you may walk past a couple that's getting ready to fight. And when you walk by, for some no apparent reason, they stop fighting. And they start looking at you. And they don't know that you're carrying Jehovah Shalom with you. God, your healer. Well, you may walk past a person like Peter in the book of Acts, and the shadow heal the people. Because you're carrying Jehovah Rapha with you. All this comes as a result from hanging out with God. Wigglesworth, Benny Hinn, John Lakes, all these people, they had this intimate relationship with God that came as a result of this intense hunger that called them to manifest the raw power of God. Now, here's some, some facts about hunger. Hunger is the driving factor of the walk of power. And spiritual hunger has the driving factor, the force that will carry us through all opposition. It's the characteristic that makes a man or a woman stand out in the kingdom. As you and I have hunger for God's plan to be worked out in our lives because he has a plan for you and I. 
in his plan is whom he did foreknow that he also predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son Jesus Christ. That's always been God's objective for the born-again believer. Have to be like his son Jesus. And learn whatever you can learn from me. So just like I learned whatever I can learn from some of these major voices in the earth. But the real objective, the real goal is to be like Christ. So he has a plan to, that he wants to work out in our lives. And as we yield to it, it gives way to the Holy Spirit. He begins to take charge of our thoughts, our emotions, and our bodies. And you and I must cultivate a hunger in our hearts for God and the power of God that cannot be quenched. This hunger has to be so intense, the fire you have to burn so strong that nothing can put this flame out. We must allow this flame to grow until it takes over the whole of our lives, breaking through our preconceptions, our misconceptions, our religious ideals and teachings, and our own thoughts and experiences. Then we will see the new realms and the higher ground that God is calling us to. And you won't see it until you hunger or you press into it. It's kind of like John on the Isle of Patmos, in the spirit on the Lord's day, because you can be in the spirit, but because there's so many dimensions in the spirit, that is, you may not necessarily see everything that's going on in the spirit. He told John on the Isle of Patmos, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, he said, listen, come up here. Come up high. I have something I want to show you, and you can't see it on the level that you're on. Or you got Zacchaeus, Short in stature, tax collector, publican, he wants to see Jesus. How bad do you want to see him? Hey, short in stature, I'm six foot five in the natural, but in the spirit, I think I'm probably about five one. I'm not as tall as I like to be. He wants to see Jesus, but he can't see Jesus because of the throngs of people that are surrounding Jesus. So he comes up with a brilliant idea. He sees a sycamore tree. He goes and climbs at the top of the tree. And when he gets to the top of the tree, he can see what he's looking for. He's actually looking at Jesus. And Jesus looks up at him and says, Zacchaeus, I have need to be at your house. And in other words, what you are looking for in the spirit realm is looking for you. And no matter what level you are on or I am on, Jesus can see us. That's not the issue. The thing is, we want to see him. And so in order to see him like uh, the, the legends did, you have to have a hunger that's so intense that it makes you climb, that it makes you reach. So as the scripture says here in Philippians 3, verse 3 through 14, Paul says, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And that though, my, uh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, have any other man think of whereof he might have in the flesh, trust in the flesh, I more. And says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. And said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That, that I may be found in him, not in back, not in front, but be found in him. John 15 and 7 says, Have you abide in me and my words abide in you? You can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The New International Version said, Have you remained in me? 
and my words remain in you. You can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. He said, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto death, and by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, and that not as though I had already uh, attained, that were already perfect, he said, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, brother, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I have not arrived yet. But this one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize, for the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. You have to have a press in you. Paul's hunger was so intense that the things that were dear to him, he let them go. I have a book out, as I said, called The Price of a Great Anointing. I got the idea from that book years ago from reading a book on the late A.A. Allen. It called God's Man of Faith and Power. He had a book out called The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. You have to pay a price. <laughs> Some people, it's not that people don't want things like that. It's just they're waiting on the anointing to go on sale. There's not going to be a sale because the anointing never depreciates. It's kind of like I, I, I treated the ladies in my ministry, my wife and about four ladies in our ministry, I treated them to a, a vacation in Niagara Falls, New York. And... Uh, on my way there, we drove up. I drove, I rented a van. We drove up about seven and a half hours from where I lived at. And I, I know I had to at least see 700, 800,000 or more, more than that cars driving seven, seven to eight hours up and back. I didn't see not one Rolls Royce on the road. Not one Bentley. You know people own them, but because they cost so much, people... You, they're, they're rare. And this is why you don't see real raw power because people are not willing to pay the price. They may admire the Rolls Royce or something like that. They may admire someone that's walking in a, a, a legendary anointing. But admiration doesn't get you in that place. The real proof that you're after something like that is in the pursuit. The proof is in the pursuit. Um, there was a, a R&B singer years ago called James Brown. He had a song out called Talking Loud and Saying Nothing. And that's how you have a lot of people. They, 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 they high gloss, no substance. They all mouth, but they're not really in pursuit of the things of God. See, you have the, your, your attitude determines your altitude. You go in God as far as you want to go. I'm not impressed with good speakers. I'm not impressed with big churches. I preach to them. I know people. I got millionaire friends. They got stuff that I, I don't have. I can't afford anything like that. But I'm not impressed with that. What I am impressed with is the resemblance of Jesus Christ. People that really manifest the raw power of God. And this book here, the legendary anointing, is a man in there by the name of Archbishop Vincent Edahosa. 
His ministry got ignited years ago when T.L. and Daisy Osborne went over to Africa uh, to do mission work. And uh, he has such a ministry that, you know, over in Africa, the witch doctor tell you, you're going to be a monkey, you might as well go get you a bunch of bananas. <laughs> they, they, they're powerful, the witch doctors over there. And he told uh, uh, Carlton Pearson, he said, you got to have power when you come over here. You can't come over here just being no good speaker. And so one day in one of the services, and he had like 500,000 people, an open air meeting out there. And uh, a woman who came there, who the witch doctor hexed, she was pregnant, Tristan, for nine years. Not nine months, nine years. The baby, when the witch doctor hexed her, the, the baby went up in her back and she walked around with a hunchback. And she come to the service because Benson Eda Holsa, he got power of God. He got that raw power. He brought him to the service. She, on the platform, right while everyone was looking, he just looked up and did like this. He said, you God of Abraham, you God of Elijah, you God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, loose this woman whom Satan has bound these years and right in front of everybody, the, the lady's back started going down. The baby went down in her back and the lady had the baby on the stage. That's the kind of power I'm talking about. At one time, Oral Roberts was visiting Benson Idahosa and he was telling Benny Hinn this story. He said the king came to Benson Idahosa because there was a drought. It hadn't rained for months. He said, you tell your guy we need some rain. He said, without even batting an eye, Benson Idahosa looked at the king and said, thus said the Lord. Raining will be here in 10 minutes. And you know how Benny Hinn talked. Benny said, oh, did it rain? He said, we were soaking wet. See, when you hear that kind of stuff, dear, how could you, and I, I could see if it was just 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked in. But this is current. And you see all the dire needs of society. The Bible said that the earnest expectation of the creature, they're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You that are listening today, you're not on here incidentally, accidentally. You are on here by divine providence. Even you, Tristan, I've been holding this particular word that I'm getting ready to say for the last couple of weeks. I saw you briefly, and when I looked at you, God said, Tell him he's going to pastor one day. But Proverbs 20 and 21, he said, tell him this here. Proverbs 20 and 21 says that an inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end won't be blessed. In other words, you can't get anything before it's time. You have to wait on the light to turn green. But you are going to pastor one day. And you're going to be a good pastor. And it's not the will of God that you just be a good speaking pastor. He wants to make you a power demonstrator, one that like Jesus who goes about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He's going to release that spirit and supernatural anointing in you. You will be skilled in the word. You will rightly divide the word of truth and you will manifest the raw power of God. He said, and in heaven, this may be gotten hastily. This is for you. I said, 
but don't run any spiritual red lights. It's going to give you a supernatural witness and a confirmation to this word about your future. I've been holding this in here for the last three weeks. I almost got ready to call you and tell you, God, don't tell him. He said, tell him when you get on here. It's there. God wants to raise people up to walk in real raw power. I have another man that I wrote about in here that I love. His name is, he's going on to be with the Lord just about a year and a half ago, Dr. Mar Cirillo. Blessed my life tremendously. He gave a prophetic word about 20 years ago. And the word he gave was there's a powerful spiritual force that is about to be released within the body of Christ. It's going to bring about the greatest manifestation of power that this world, world has ever witnessed. There's a remnant of people that God is going to raise up in this end time hour. They're craving, they're hungry, they're thirsting, they're yearning, they're longing for the more of you. He's saying, God, I know it's more to this Christianity thing than I've been experiencing in my church. And God is putting a divine discontentment on the inside of them. That's going to give them the supernatural ability to press into God, to press into some whole new dimensions, to bring it, the Bible calls it, the powers of the world to come, to bring them into this world, and to bring deliverance to the hurt, the dying, the disease, and the afflicted. Number one, you have to have an intense hunger for God. There's actually seven things here that I have here, and I'm not going to get to all seven. And I'm actually abbreviating this here on hunger for the sake of time. But there's one thing I want to jump to. I'm going to skip over all of them to get to this one here because this is really important. Because if you're going to walk in the real raw power of God, this is important, you that are listening. Important. You cannot, you cannot chase money. You can't chase money. You can't chase money. Psalm 62 and 10 says, if riches increase, because there's no way when you pursue God, it's scripture, 6 and 33. You seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Luke 6, 38 said, if you give, it's going to be given back to you. Good message, press now, shaking together, running over you, cause men to give under your bosom. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's a certain quality of life that God wants you and I to have. But he doesn't want the thing that he blesses you with to sidetrack you. See? One thing I like about Zacchaeus, the Bible says he was rich. He climbed up that tree. And then when he came down, he said, uh, Jesus said, uh, he said to Jesus, he said, if I've taken anything wrongly or illegal, he said, I give this back. I give half my goods to the poor. And you know what he said? Jesus said, you know what? You ain't far from the kingdom. Now, the reason that even though he was rich, he could give it up because he had money. When money have you, you can't give it up. Now, when you have it, you can give it up. I don't have a lot of money, but I got a lot of faith. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, I believe it's 4 and 20. It says it is required that stewards be found faithful. We're stewards. Steward is, is the Greek word oikonomis. Uh, and it means a manager. So whatever little crumbs that I have, it's not even mine. I'm a manager over it. But at the same time, 
I'm not gonna get sidetracked chasing money. I like nice things in the natural. I keep myself boom. I like to be dressed up. I started to come on here just dressed down, you know, because I know, you know, how you, how you dress down. And a lot of churches I go to, they dress down. God said, No, I want you to dress just like I dress you. He said, This is what I this this is what I want you to roll, I want you to model in front of them. He said, but I want you to let them know that you can't chase money. And if money starts to start coming because you can't love God and do what the Bible said and not prosper. He said, but if riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. Matter of fact, Proverbs 23 and 4 says, labor not to be rich. And I'm not saying that a person can't be born again and be rich. There was multiplied people in the Bible that were rich. And we're talking about if you want to walk in the real raw power of God, you can't chase money. Because of the sidetracking. First Timothy, just give me about six more minutes. I'm gonna bring this in here. I'm abbreviating this. If, if, if Tristan Light, maybe I'll come on another time. You have. Yeah. But long. they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. He said, the ones that went chasing after money. You got a lot of preachers have done. Gotten sidetracked. They chased after the money and they've gotten sidetracked and fallen into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Now, this is Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. And he tells him, For the love of money, it is the root of all evil. He said, While some have coveted after, they've erred from the faith. They started chasing that money. He said, They've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows chasing that money. And then he says to him, he said, but thou, man of God, you, Timothy, he said, you flee these things. Don't chase money. I follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, and fight the good fight of faith. Let's be a faithful. He said, and lay hold on eternal life, where unto thou also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I'm in an arena, Tristan, where when you travel, a lot of big name preachers, we have what we have called questionnaires. And I sent a questionnaire out. And the only reason I sent out before I started traveling 30, I've been preaching in 1985. Someone had, when they found out I was doing a lot of traveling, they said, let me give you this copy of this particular person's questionnaire. It was a name brand preacher. I won't name who they are. And the name brand that they had on it, like, um, when I come to your church, Will you take care of the traveling expenses, hotel accommodation? And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're hosting and you want somebody to come to Texas, you inviting them, you, you should take care. That, that, that's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, what kind of service is it? Uh, do you want me to raise the offering? How's the offering done? Uh, stuff like that. And then some of them, they ask, they tell you they want a certain amount of money up front. This is the problem that I have. As long as I've been doing this here, Tristan, I have never, like this here, I never mentioned to you a penny about coming on here. Now I haven't said anything about no money because I felt like I'm getting ready to reach some new people for God. Don't I care about money? I mean, you know, God will make somebody buy your dream home. He'll make somebody give you your dream car. You don't know who God is speaking to to be a blessing to you. It cannot be about money. It can't be. But some got sidetracked. They asked for $5,000 up front before they come. 
they want first class airline ticket plus two coach class tickets for the armor bearers. And then they want to be in a five-star hotel. I think that's arrogant. And I, I know that the laborer is worthy of his hire. And if we've sown spiritual things, is it a thing to reap of your carnal? But I don't ever want to ever put a price on the gospel. Never. Many have gotten sidetracked. There's a whole new dimension that they would never enter into because they did not pass the money test. Someone asked me to preach years ago, and they wanted me to come to their church, and they said, uh, uh, I'm going to fly you in. They said, will you stay in my house? Because on a tight budget, my other speaker I'm going to put in the hotel. I said, sure, man. I don't, I don't want you to be burdened. And they said, I'm only going to give you $300. I said, I don't care. I'll be there. So when I got there, I was there a day early, and uh, I visited a pastor friend of mine that was in that region. Well, the pastor, when he found out I was in town, he asked me to preach for him the same time that this man wanted me to preach for him. He don't have $300 for him. He got $3,000 for him. I gave him a word that I would be for this other man. Now, a lot of preachers, they would call the other host up to listen, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it. Something came up. It's not chasing that money. Tristan, I wasn't even tempted to chase it. You know, not I wasn't even tempted because I get and I had about three or four, five thousand dollars worth of bills waiting for me home. It's called integrity. I have this thing I always say: if you're not gonna keep your word, keep it to yourself. Let me close on this here. I saw the movie Batman, The Dark Knight, and the one with uh. Uh, Heath Ledger. I loved him. I liked him better than Jack Nicholas. And they were in this warehouse and all the criminals of Gotham City, they were in there with wine glasses, cigars, and they were toasting and celebrating for all the money that they had accumulated from corruption in Gotham City. They literally had a pyramid full of money in there, stacked up to the ceiling. And the Joker was a criminal but he was a different kind of criminal. Oh, my goodness. And he got his henchmen and opened up some kerosene and started dousing his portion of the money with the kerosene, with the kerosene and began to burn it. And I still remember the man, one of the criminals that saw it, he had the cigar in his mouth, his mouth dropped up because open because he couldn't believe he was burning his money. And I'll never forget what he said. The Joker looked at him and said, all you think about is this city deserves a better class of criminal. He said, you know what? I'm going to give it to him. See, Commissioner Gordon, the other police, they knew how to capture the criminals. They didn't know how to get the Joker. You know why? Because he couldn't be brought. See, sometimes in the church, you got preachers, if you can't buy them, some of them you can lease them for at least six months. The devil doesn't know what to do with the preacher he can't buy. Because a lot of times, 
people, they had their, they had their price. And I made up my mind, Tristan, that I'm going to be a different kind of apostle, a different kind of prophet, a different kind of pastor, a different kind of teacher, just like the joker was different. They didn't know what to do with him because he wasn't in it for the money. The devil doesn't know what to do with a man or a woman of God that's not in this here for the money. And some start out pure, but they get sidetracked up the road. You have to stay focused. You can't look in two directions at one time unless you cross out. The most dangerous person to the devil's kingdom is a focused person. I'm a focused man. I, March 2nd, I'll be 64 years old. I don't chase money. I ain't got no girlfriends on the side. I ain't got no boyfriends on the side. You got to say that now because you don't know what people are doing nowadays. There's something that I want in the spirit realm that requires 100% dedication and focus. I want to manifest. And I, I, I just got healed in my service the other day. Person lump in the chest. I just walked over to him and walked by him, touched him, power got hit him, and the thing just disappeared. They came up to my book table and with, almost with tears in their eyes and told me what happened. I said, well, pray to God be the glory. I had people get healed of age, had deaf ear open up. I had somebody, uh, short leg grew out, you know, had all kinds of, I mean, but I'm, I, I believe God wants to, sometimes a preacher's greatest enemy is his last victory or, the, or his accomplishments, his attainments, his endowments. At a big church in great demand, you got books out, getting large honorariums. People think you're amazing, and because of that, you don't see no need to press in to another place in God. I refuse to get sidetracked. I believe that God wants to ignite something in your listening orders. You as a young man, you know, I, my oldest son will be 43 years old in uh, December the 2nd. I have five boys, and uh, I know you're old enough to be my son, but at the same time, I respect you as a man, and I see the hand of God on your life, and God has greater things. Now, here the scripture said, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men or to the heart of Tristan, the things that God has for you. He's preparing you for something bigger. It's not a coincidence that Pastor Campfield, who I ordained as a pastor in my ministry, he started out with me when I used to just have a men's fellowship in my basement. And he would end up moving to Georgia and then to uh, Tennessee and go to that church and then meet you. God doesn't do things coincidentally, incidentally, or accidentally. This is all a setup. Amen. And God has greater things for you and those that would hunger after him. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be a voice for you and to the hearts and the lives of those hungry hearts. For I know that there's a new dimension of glory and power that you're going to release through a remnant of people that have an insatiable hunger for you. 
and their love for you is going to be so intense, they're going to fight sleep to get in your presence. They're going to get in your word as often as possible. They're not going to let sin get in the way. The sin of the flesh, the sin of pride, greed, any of those things. Because they don't want anything to sidetrack them from their destiny. And their destiny is Christ-likeness. For whom you did foreknow, them did you also predestinate to be conformed to the exact image of your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for this day, for the little part that you allow me to play in the lives of not just Tristan, but whoever will hear this podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. powerful powerful um i felt i felt really like holy spirit working on me while you're speaking um and i it's interesting you brought up a few points that i've been really dwelling on is like the power of the fivefold ministry you know um and how i was just listening to a sermon and uh, me and my co-founder hannah we were listening to the sermon by chris valadin uh bethel church in california who's a prophet as well he was speaking on the power of the fivefold ministry and he said something that was interesting. He said, the prophet's job isn't to, it, it, the prophet's job isn't to hear from the Lord and then only speak it, but to also have the saints come up and to set up the phone for them to hear from the Lord. You know, that, that is powerful. And I believe that's kind of what happened today is that uh, people, people are going to experience God in a new way and be able to hear from him in a new way. Um, and that's what, I've been feeling so, why I just have been feeling God so strong on the online presence of what I'm doing, because I believe that, um, here, I believe that where the church fails to attack, like where the church fails to fill, the enemy will see that as a weak point and he'll, he'll use that against us. You know what I mean? So when I first started this, I, when I, like, when I rededicated my life to Christ, when I said, Jesus, okay. I'm, I'm with you. I'm following you. He put a calling on me. Uh, I started BSSM. And when I first started BSSM, I said, all right, I'm not having any social media at all. And I did, I did that. I didn't even have a phone. I just had my laptop to do school. And I was like, I'm not doing it because uh, the enemy's on there. It's not good. But then I felt God like correct me. Like, why don't you change it? And I was like, whoa, okay, Lord. Um, so that's what I'm doing is I'm, I'm being the light. I'm, I'm trying to show Jesus's light because when you look at the amount of people online, it's incredible. I mean, when we look at how, how many people are going to TikTok, how many people are going to Facebook, Instagram, you know, you do your lives and all that, and you're doing the exact same thing I'm doing like, but we have such a reach that we, we can't have in person at times because we can only be at one place at one, you know, at a certain time. But we now have the opportunity to where you're in uh, New York, right? And I'm in Tennessee or New Jersey or wherever. I'm in a complete different area. I just had, I had a pastor in South Africa on and we're able to have um, community, you know, um, and it's like, I just feel Jesus stepping into this and wanting to take back what the enemy is taking territory in and the internet presence is where the enemy is attacking right now. I mean, so I'm just honored to have you speak into it and to, to help us uh, shine this light, you know, um, of Jesus. And when you talk about healing and things, 
um, it was interesting. I, I've, I was reminded as you were speaking of this girl, we had, do you know who Randy Clark is? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know him personally yet, but I know Randy Clark. Yeah. Global Awakening. Mm -hmm. He, he came to our school, um, last February and I was online, but I watched, uh, through, we were in a zoom and they had it streaming or whatever. Um, but we were praying over each other, things like that. So it was like, we were involved in the, um, the conference. It was really cool, but he was this little girl who was happened to be there. Uh, they were praying for healing and they were doing these, uh, testimony videos of Brazil. And this little girl comes up and says, I had a bite mark where my dad, um, my stepdad, you know, he bit me and it was like, she went through some trauma, you know? Um, and I had that scar and I looked after I prayed for Jesus to take it away and it was gone. And she went up on stage and showed that, you know, and how beautiful is that? Like, yeah. So when I hear people say like, oh, healing isn't for today or, um, like fivefold ministry isn't for today, things like that. I'm like, no, it is, you know, he's still, he's still healing. Like I have seen it. And when you have those experiences, it, it builds your faith and unlocks a new level where you're like, okay, Lord, um, it humbles you, first of all, because you're like, well, that's not in my power, that's in his power. And his power is greater than any power I have, you know? Um, and I, it lights me, it gets me on fire. Like I want to jump around because I'm just like, man, I love his presence and the healing manifestations that happen in it and um, the comforting um, moments where it's like, Lord, I'm broken. I need you. And he meets you in that spot. So in Q and a with you, I'd like to go over, um, like, what would you say is a prophet in, in your mind? Well, a prophet is basically an inspired preacher. Um, one that really pretty much sits at the feet of God and he actually lives there, you know. The prophet, now I have a book out called The Authors of the Prophet. Mm -hmm. And in it, I say, you know, all prophets prophesy, but everyone that prophesies is not a prophet. You know, because someone could just get up underneath the gift and you thus say of the Lord, you know, I'm in your midst. But real prophets, Tristan, I believe that they have to have a high standard of holiness your life has to be clean because if you're going to be a voice for a holy god your life has to be clean i know many people i know a guy that is a prophet uh but his life wasn't clean life was shacked up when i heard he was sleeping with men and women accurate gift the one of the things that I didn't get on it today uh, concerning how to walk in the raw power of God was you have to keep your life clean. You have to be whole. Haptic, you, you, you can't be a player. You can't be uh, a one way when no one is looking and another way when people are looking. You have to keep your life clean. Prophets should, I think real prophets should have a high standard of holiness. I as, in my, as if someone is interested, like I said, I have a, a book on the uh the office of the prophet. I don't know where it's at. This in the oh yeah, here it is. This it's actually this is it here. 
real, real, real good book, real good book here. And, and, and it differentiates between uh, the office of the prophet and the person that's flowing in the gift of prophecy. You know, uh, it's an office. It's not just a gift, but it's an office. It's, I don't, I'm not a prophet just because I get up and prophesy. I live this way all the time. I'm uh, always say this here. Uh, if, if you're the type to have to get ready, well, then maybe when God needs you, you won't be ready. Prophets have to stay ready because there's no telling. God may want to use me while I'm in the airport, while I'm at the bus terminal, while I'm at a family reunion, while I'm at Walmart, you know. Uh, so I have to be a certain kind of way. And as I was saying, when I was talking about the money thing, there's a scripture, it says in Lamentation, it says, thy prophets have seen vain and foolish things, but they but they have not discovered thine iniquity. In other words, he said, they may see the house, they may see a car, they may see a promotion, but they don't see the thing that's stunning that person's growth. Uh, I, I think real prophets have confronting anointings. Uh, well, if you look at Jeremiah, when he told Jeremiah, he said, I sent you to root out, pull down, throw down, destroy, build, and plant. Now, ultimately, you know, God's a master builder. It's about building and planting. But because God's a wise master builder, he's not going to build and plant on just any foundation. So he sent uh, Jeremiah. He said, this is what I want you to do. I'm sending you to your people. I want you to root out some things. Go to the root of some problem. I want you to throw down some stuff destroy and then after you do that then do the building and planning a lot of times uh we have what we call uh they call them uh dr michael brown i think i think it was him somebody called him mercenary prophets that's prophets for hire they merchandise their gift uh and because of that anointing on the prophet there's an anointing on him that can bring increase in money and a lot of times they they merchandise their gift, or then they, or they let other people merchandise their gifts. Some people have them to come just because, not just because they can read a person, but because they can raise money. That's why I put that in there. I, I jumped past everything and got to the money part because a whole lot of them, some have gotten sidetracked because of the money. I think real prophets, they have to live pure, Live. They don't just prophesy, but they have they have great integrity. Their lives are pure because they have to be a spokesperson for God. And to be a spokesperson for God, who is a pure God. You mean remember when Isaiah, before he got sent, the angel took the coals off the altar and touched his mouth and purged the iniquity out. And then after that, he sent. Before God send you, you have to have those times when you tried. I have another book out called uh, God Uses the Tried Stone, and it comes from Isaiah 28 and 16. And it said, Thus said the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, but not just any stone, a tried stone for a sure foundation. You have, I think real prophets go through excruciating stuff because they have to die. They have to die. The old them has to die for him to be a real voice for God because he don't want no interruption of the flesh. Just like when I said to you, 
I mean, God spoke to me a few weeks ago about you one day being a pastor. I think real prophets, the ones that's really sensitive to God and they're not after this and they're not trying to appeal to people's flesh and they're not trying to turn people towards them. I think real prophets too also, they will, they, they, real prophets should turn the hearts of the people to God and not make you look to them all the time. Uh, that's why my, my major thing is on consecration. I try to teach people to walk with God because you can walk with God and such an intimate relationship with him that you can get an uncut prophecy without the middleman in there that God will just talk to you personally. I don't, I don't want, I always tell people, don't be a prayer line prophecy seeking junkie because if you be that, you're going to get abused. Prophets will abuse you. Not all. We're talking about the corrupt ones that have gotten sidetracked, you know. Um, you have to stay stay focused you know i i'm after the heart of god you know i haven't worked a secular job since 1986 87 and it's not that i'm in great demand matter of fact tristan uh a man who i wrote about in this book here his name is apostle richard hinton he's going on to be with the lord spiritual father of mine one day i got through preaching for him and after i got through preaching i was in his office he said he, he talked like this. He said, preacher, he said, that was a real good word. He said, but many times, if you go to a church and you take the people somewhere spiritually where the leader themselves don't want to go, they won't invite you back. And not that you said anything wrong. It's just that sometimes you got a lot of leaders, just like you got a lot of prophets. They're at ease in Zion. They're comfortable. They're not trying to go into another level. God spoke to me years ago and said, you would be a prophet that prophets don't like. I have a message called the prophet I don't like. Someone invited me some years ago to preach in Gary, Indiana. They heard about me. And the pastor who recommended me, uh, he went with me. So they let him introduce me because the people didn't know me. And when I got up, it was an excitement in the air. And the people had like one eye open and one eye closed. Like, you know, like they read me, look, tell me my future. And I was going to speak something that was kind of like rah, rah, rah and encouraging. And then when I looked at them, God said, look at my people. He said, when they think a prophet, they think somebody always got something nice to say to them. He said, I don't want you to preach what you were going to preach tonight. And I came from Second Chronicles, the 18th chapter, about Micaiah, the prophet. Ahab said, there's one prophet here, he said, but I don't like him because he never tells me anything I want to hear. And I call it the prophet I don't like. A real prophets don't appeal to people's flesh. Not that we don't say things to encourage people, but the main purpose of the prophet should be to turn the hearts of the people to God. And I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at that. You know, all prophets prophesy, but everyone that prophesies is not a prophet. Wow, very good. Um, turning the hearts. Yeah, that, that's really good. So when did you, so we talked a little bit about your, your journey in the beginning, but when did you know that um, what your calling was? Well, you know, it's strange. When I was in the world doing the things that I was doing, I used to dream of me preaching. And I thought it was some of them crazy drugs I was under the influence of at the time. And um, 
<laughs> then one day, uh, when I uh, and I, I kept seeing me, you know, preaching. When I end up getting saved, I forgot all about the dream of me preaching in these different places, going in the hospital, getting people up out of the stretchers and stuff like that. You know, I thought it was the drugs. And then when God called me to preach, I started preaching out on the streets with the people who, you know, I, with the area where I came from. And then one day I was reading Jeremiah and God spoke to me. He said, I called you from your mother's womb to be a prophet, to be a prophet, to be a prophet. And then just kind of like when I gave you that word, next thing I know, someone came and confirmed the same thing that God spoke to me. And it just seemed like after that, everything just started unfolding and opening up, you know, and uh, begin to see and know some things. You know, it's like the spiritual eyes of my understanding had just got enlightened, you know. Uh, I'm not one that just line people up and give everybody a prophecy. I, I never operate like that. Now there's times that I end up calling somebody up. Oh, you know, I have people all at the altar and get ready to lay hands on people for people to get healed and delivered. And without me trying to stir it up, that prophet just opens up and they just start, you know, telling people things, you know, uh, but I never get up just to, to do that, you know. Uh, but that's how I, I found out, you know. I had the dreams initially about the preaching in the different places. And then God spoke to me out of the word. And then he just came and confirmed it through other prophetic voices. Interesting. You know, and I think a lot of people, they, they get those words from the Lord and then they get a confirmation. And I think it's hard because once the enemy sees that you get that confirmation, the enemy likes to try to say, uh, no, you're not called to do that. Stop. Don't do it. So how did you, did you, first question is, did you come against that at a point in ministry where you were like, should I walk away or should I stay? And how did you handle that? I never, never even thought about walking away. Wow. I knew it was him. Uh, I'll say this. You know, I used to want to be an NBA basketball player. And I, I know I could have made it. And um, But when I got saved, my love for God just started really increasing. And um, what happened, because remember I tell you, prophets, they go through excruciating stuff because you have to, you have to, you have to be a dead man, or you have to die, you know, uh, because the flesh is so villainous. It's, it's yucky. The old man is something. And uh, I remember when God had given me a word, the church that I used to go to. Someone was uh, invited me to a service, and this lady, you know, they said that she give people words and knowledge. And a lot of time, when you're young like that. You, you, you want somebody to tell you something about you. I went to this service and the uh, lady, she never called me out, but she started giving us illustration of an eagle Christian. How the eagle sets the nest up high and the mother eagle was teaching her eaglets how to fly and one of them, she kicked him out the nest and 
he flew, never came back. The other one couldn't quite get it. He went down and went down, and she had to swoop down and pick him up and put him back in the nest because he hadn't caught hold to the art of flying yet. So she put him back in the nest. Now, listen, I'm trying to get a word from the Lord. This is not the way I'm looking for it to come. But the Bible said, he that had an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. She put him back in the nest. And so she started pulling the twigs up in the nest to make it really uncomfortable for the little eaglet. Because every when he went to sit down, something was poking him. So in other words, he's going to have to learn how to fly because he can't stand here. It's getting uncomfortable. And so one day he kicked him out again. This time she didn't go rescue him. He flopped. He went up. He went down. He went up. He went down. He went down. And then he landed into a chicken coop. And he landed into a chicken coop. Now, it's a terrible thing when you don't know what species you are. So he see other winged animals, winged birds bow there. He see got the chicken there, got beat. They got wings. Can't get too high off the ground with those wings that they have because their body is made different. And suddenly, the farmer came and threw some chicken fiat. And the chickens just went running at them. But the eagle wouldn't move. And he didn't understand, well, how come what's exciting them you know certain things make people run around the church and holler and it just don't do anything for you how come what's turning them on don't turn me on and then suddenly a field mice just ran across there and his instincts he just naturally just reached out grabbed it and gobbled it up hmm, i don't understand i got wings they got wings i got a beat they got a beat suddenly a storm came boom Thunder and lightning, chickens took off and ran. Ran into the chicken coop. The eagle went on the top of the roof and flew right into the eye of the storm. Now, he don't know what species he is. Now, this lady is telling this story. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, I don't want to think more highly of myself than I ought to. But I, in my mind, I'm saying, God, are you trying to tell me I'm an eagle? You know, but I, I wouldn't jump the gun and just take that, even though it sounded good. And then one day I was at a service and a man was preaching and he looked out at me and he said, Kevin, come up here in the pulpit. I hadn't even been preaching at that time. And he took his text from Genesis 12, the call of Abraham, and said, come out from amongst your kindred. And I'm, that was my word. Come out. With the church I was at, and I had a woman pastor, a holy woman, had taught me some valuable things about living clean about the word of God, but had an appetite for something else. But I didn't just, I didn't want to run. Remember, I gave you the word. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end won't be blessed. You can't get anything before it's time. That's what the prodigal son did. That was his, but he wasn't ready for it. And it ended up being a destructive force. And you can't get anything too soon. But when I heard that word, I came out. And when I came out from the church, I didn't try to start a church. I just came out. That fellowship in my basement. That's how I, uh, Pastor Canfield uh, came to my basement. I had a men's fellowship. Everything came against me, uh, Tristan. They turned on me. They said I was trying to be something God didn't call me to be. And I didn't understand it. Why all this, you know, I'm loving God. I'm pursuing him. And why is all this contrary stuff coming? And I literally was in the hotel room. And I hollered from the with the top from the top of my lungs, I said, God, where in hell are you at? I, I did just <clears throat> he waited till my flesh subsided. And he took me to 
I believe it's uh, 30 and 7, I believe it is. And it just says, and it's in Isaiah, this says, surely, if you will not believe, you will not be established. In other words, God was saying, Kevin, being misunderstood, being talked about, even being separated from, he said, it's all a part of your training. You have to be groomed for greatness. At that time, I mean, I felt the frustration, but I never thought, especially when God give you a word like that, said, if you don't believe, you won't be a staff. This is part of training. Man, I was focused. And then also what he did, because God protects his investment, he put somebody in my life about 10 years older than me. My book, The Price of a Great Anointing, I dedicated to this pastor, a good friend of mine, Apostle Bruce Lester. Knew some things that I didn't knew, know, and he covered me. And he shielded me because he's a little sharp in certain areas. God always protects his investment. Now, you know, I'm flying, Jack. I am flying. But I never, I never doubted the call. I just didn't understand certain things that was happening at that time. He said it's just a part of the training. Very good. Um, so I I feel the Holy Spirit on this. I wanted to get into a little bit of grief, um, how to manage it. Um, so you've mentioned a few times some spiritual fathers of yours, people that you know that you look you looked up to that that helped you in your life. Um, how did you handle losing um so someone great, great in your life like that? Well, to be honest with you, uh that didn't bother me, you know, them passing away. The only thing ever bothered me, this young man who died in my arm, this is, see, I have five sons. My oldest one that I told you will be 43 in December the 2nd. I had him before I got married when I was in the world. But since I've been married, my wife and I got married in 1983, 1986, this young man was born here. And he passed away in my arms. That was, my mom passed away. My dad passed away. My brother, and I love my mom. I love my dad. But nothing like losing your son, your child. And right in my arms, right in my house. Uh, but because of my intimate relationship with God, here, God tell Paul, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. It's the grace of God that got me through it. Do I miss him? Every single day. I remember I, I always said, you know, when he first passed, and I still would, I would give a billion dollars just for him to be back here and spend a whole day with him. Yeah, I love him. I love him dearly, you know. But God is the one that got me and it's still getting me to. Like I said, this is still fresh. This was uh, August 15th, 2019, just before pandemic hit. He passed away. And, uh, and, and then, see, it's one thing if the grief just hits you, but then you got to watch the wife in pain, the other sons in pain, you know. And so it was something. But it's, it's God that helps help you get through stuff like that, you know, uh, missing dearly to this day. He was named after me, Kevin, and missing. He loved God, but uh, 
It's the Lord that gets you through those tough times like that. I didn't, it wasn't a big one. My, uh, the people like my spiritual dad, when he passed away, it was sad. You know, I, I cried, but no comparison to uh, my son passing away. Even my mother and my father, no comparison to my son. Whole different level of pain. I remember thinking when the pain was there, like, if anything else gonna happen, let it happen right now while I'm raining pain. Cause I, you know, I don't want this to happen no more, you know. And uh, but God has got me through that. You know, He's got me. That's the first time somebody ever asked me that. As a matter of fact, I, there's a, a woman that's on Facebook. Her name is Evangelist Snipes, and she has some widow to widow thing. Cause her husband was a bishop. He passed away, and she deal with a lot of people that's grieving and stuff like that. She asked me about coming on. I didn't even come on. I said, now that that's not for me. But being that. You kind of caught me off guard then you asked me there i figured i'd just at least give you a truthful answer <laughs> oh yeah i and i just want to honor you with that um the reason why i asked is because well first honor your son i'm really sorry for your loss with that um i know what's like losing people and it's especially dear to you it's very difficult um pastor bill johnson my my pastor in california um you i'm, I'm sure you've heard of him when benny Johnson passed away, you know, the way he handled it, um, he's still handling it, um, was incredible, you know, he preached that, uh, that Sunday of losing Benny, and, um, she was a real mother to the house, so it was difficult for everybody, and it started to, um, like, uh, people that didn't know her online, in the online community of our school, started to get affected by it, because it was bringing up old stages of grief, but seeing him, the way that he handled it really stirred everybody else up to be able to embrace in this and uh, kind of go deeper with God and give him the pain. But turn yeah. this camera this way. Go ahead, Lynn. That was okay. My wife just walked in here. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sweetheart. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm I'm super honored to have you on. And this was this was incredible. Um, I'd love for you, like we talked about setting up the phones for the saints. I'd love for you to kind of have a prayer of impartation to people that maybe feel God stirring something in them um today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Hallelujah. Father, I praise you and I bless you and I thank you. Where your spirit is, there's liberty. And I thank you that there is no distance in the spirit realm, Father. And freely as I've gotten it as a result of hanging out with you, I, I release this to your listening audience, those that are hungry, those that are hungering, those that are thirsting, those that are yearning, those that are longing for the more of you those that want to walk in your supernatural power and carry your glory, God. Let that glory fill their room, their house, wherever they're at viewing this year. Let them not be the same. Let them be like the two who are walking in Emos and they said, did not our hearts burn when the man of God spoke to us today, God? Let there be a divine change. Let them never be the same from this day on. Let them press into you like never before. A new hunger for prayer, a new hunger for fasting, a new hunger for intimacy with you. A new hunger to draw near to you like never before. 
In the name of Jesus, God, that that I ask you to do, God, on behalf of your people that want you, I thank you for granting my request. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, the, I believe the greatest investment that a born-again believer can make is in their spirit, man. And I have some things that are designed to help you grow into the full stature of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's called the Office of the Prophet. It'll bless you. All prophets prophesy, but everybody prophesies is not a prophet. Prayer that prevails, it'll help you pray life. This is called Destroy the Weapon Sharpness. That has to deal with things that the devil uses to destroy uh, many women of God. And this is called Lust not after his or her beauty in thine heart. That has to deal with lust spirits. And this is called Steps to the Promised Land. It comes from Exodus 14 and 13, where Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I deal with, I use those steps. Fear not, stand still and see. Prophetic, real good book, how to get to a place in God. And this is called Prophesy Your Destiny. The Bible said that death and life is in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I always tell people, you're the prophet of your own life. Amen. The word of faith is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. Don't wait for nobody to come give you a prophecy. Prophesy to yourself. And this is called, God uses the tried stone. If you're going to be used by God, get ready to be tested and tried. It's just a part of the trip. It's part of the journey. But the Bible says, when he tries you, you're going to come forth with pure gold. And this is called AIDS. That's the acronym for America in deep stone. Real good prophetic book. And this is called the, the Spirit of David. God gave me five characteristics about a Davidic company that he was going to use. Uh, they would be fearless men of spiritual warfare. They wait, they behave themselves wisely. Uh, they're the least ones you expect for God to anoint. They're after God's very own heart. Real good book. And this is called the Power Demonstrator. Jesus went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom. It's not enough just to be a good speaker. We need to show not just the love of Christ, but the power of Christ. And this is called the perfect heart brings the fear of God. What will it take for the inhabitants of the land to fear our God? In this book, I give you a little bit of the criteria that will enable you to walk like Jesus did, to walk in such a, 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 an anointing that it really brings fear, a reverential fear of our God, because they don't fear our God anymore. And the reason is because the church don't fear him. A sick church produces a sick society. When we come back to really reverencing God, the world is going to reverence him even more. This is called the spirit of jealousy. The Bible says it's cruel than the grave. Real bad spirit of jealousy, but real good book. And this is called How to Keep the Eye of the Tiger. I actually got that title from the movie Rocky, and it just deals with staying focused. And this is called Beware of the Eighth Evil. And that's on deception. And this is called The Price of a Great Anointing. That's it's self-explanatory. It's a price for a real good book. All these are good. And these last three here, this is the number one seller recently here. The Blessing of a Consecrated Life. I was doing a revival in um, Chicago. And after I got through preaching, I was sitting at my book table. And I have 18 books. A lady came up to the book table. She was so excited about what I was saying. She said, Prophet, I want all 18 books. I want all 18. And can you autograph them and make them sign uh, autograph them to Carlton. I said, sure. I was in that city again, maybe about six months to a year later. 
I was at the book table again. The lady came up to the book table. She had a phone in her hand. She said, Prophet, I have Carlton on the phone. Can you speak to him? So I said, sure. And uh, I didn't know Carlton was in jail. He's 45 years old. He's been in there since he's been 30. And he's not scheduled to come out to 2043. So you know he must have did something that wasn't too good. But he saved and loved God. So he gets on the phone and he says, Prophet, I got all 18 in the book. He said, oh, they really bless me. Oh, he said, but the one on the blessing of a consecrated life, he said, I've been in here 16 years. He said, I've never read a book on consecration like this. He had the best book I've ever read. She, he says, it's been passed around to the other inmates in the jail and even went to another prison, uh, the same book. Matter of fact, him and his fiance, they wanted to buy $1,440 worth of book. That's a whole case of to give to the inmates because he does ministry in jail while he's in there. A real good book. Consecration is the key to God's heart and it's the key to the power of God. And this is called the Jesus Walk. Jesus Christ walked in such an anointing that Satan, demons, sickness, disease, the wind, and even the dead obeyed his voice. Is that kind of power available today? Yes, it is. Can anyone walk like Jesus did? Yes, they can. Well, in that book, I give you a little bit of the criteria and the qualifications that will enable you to walk like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the last one is the legendary anointing. It's 300 pages. Uh, it has legends of the Bible, current legends. The last part has legendary quotes. And then what I call the three H's to the power of God, hunger, humility, and holiness. All these books, you can get all 18 of the books if you're interested. That ain't bad, $141 for all 18 of them. I'll take care of the shipping and the handling. If you're interested, you can go to my website, which is destroyerofthedestroyedministries.org. Or if you're interested in all of them, you can just send, uh, I have a cash app, which is dollar bill sign. Uh, K-E-V-I-N-P-O-W-E-1, and uh, you send the, the 141 and your address, and I'll give it to you. There you go. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this podcast changed your life today. If it did, put in the comments. Tell us what you learned, how it helped you. Put amen in the comments. Let's just blow this up and share this with a friend, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. See you next week.